my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am willing up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, and to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the, riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of the glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all those who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. The grass withers, the flowers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Okay. Oh, good morning, church. There you go. Um, before we begin, I, we have a couple of newcomers that I would like to introduce ourselves, uh, in, introduce them to us. Uh, we have, <laughs> sorry, that threw me off. We have Crystal uh, visiting us for the first time. Let's give her a well, round of welcome. And we, and we also have Josh here, somewhere here. Let's also give Josh oh, And lastly, we have Kevin and Sue also visiting us for the first time. Let's give them also a round of welcome. Welcome. Well, good morning, everyone. God is good. All the time. Thank you. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Huihu. I'm one of the pastoral interns at this church. I serve youth group and uh, priest team. Sorry, also, I would like to time myself. Uh, and in our youth group, we've been going through a series called Jesus. There you go. The series called Jesus is Seriously Above Everything. And we're going through together the book of Colossians. And I, we got this title uh, from one of our youth group praising practice. I, I give them homework to do. And one of the students came back and I asked him, so what's the book of Colossians about? What do you think? And he said, I don't know. I think it's something about that Jesus is like above everything, but like seriously. <laughs> and that's good. That's really good because he is seriously above everything. And what that means is that he's not just above everything when we're in church, when we're praising Jesus, but he's seriously above everything when, even when things are bad, even when we're depressed, even when we get yelled at, even when we're not so popular. No matter how we're feeling or what, how things look like, Jesus is seriously always above everything. So that's the main idea of the book of Colossians. And the book of Colossians in the New Testament, it's a small book. It's, a, it's, it's small because it's a letter. It's a short letter. 
It will take you 10 minutes to sit down and just read through the whole letter. It's great if you want to give it a try. And it's a personal letter that Apostle Paul's writing. It, it's, it, it had, the tone is very, very personal. And he wrote to a group of Christians that he had never met before, Colossians Christians. Um, and he also wrote this letter when he was in jail. And he wrote this letter to a group of people he never met before because they, were, they began to and they were tempted to think that Jesus was seriously not above everything. And in result of that, they begin to have this ethical and life and spiritual problems. See, when Jesus is not seriously above everything in our lives, then we will run into all kinds of problems. And that is why Apostle Paul, he's really stretching on the point that Jesus is seriously above everything. He's enough. And he's anchoring all of his pastoral commands on the foundation of Jesus being everything that we need. And today, we are at the portion of the letter. We started from chapter 1. And we are at the portion of the letter that is very personal. Notice how he keeps on saying I. Like I, blah, blah, I, blah, blah, blah. So this is what he says. I am suffering for you guys. I am the minister. And for this I toil and I struggle. I am not with you physically, but I'm with you spiritually. A lot of eyes. It's very personal. Though he never met them. And this portion of the letter we can see that Apostle Paul, he really wants them to know that he is willing and he's been struggling and suffering for them. Why? Because he wants them to know Jesus. It's like this. Um, yesterday, after praise team practice, some of my friends or members asked me to go to Maryland to eat a deli food. I said, no, I don't, I don't want to go to Maryland. That's so far. And I, I have this to prep. And, he, and one of them said, oh, I'll drive. And the other one said, oh, I'll pay. And we say that all the time when we really want to introduce people to what we like or what we enjoy or what we think is worth it. That's what's Paul doing here in this letter. He said, this is what I'm doing so that you can know Jesus. And that's the main idea that we're going to unpack together, that what are we willing to do for others to know Jesus? Not for myself, not for ourselves, but what, what are we willing to do for others to, to know Jesus just a little better? That's why the title of today's sermon is, This is How Much I Want You to Know Jesus. And hopefully, I can unpack this idea with following three points. Point number one is for you guys. Paul's message. And number two is Paul's suffering. Number three is Paul's purpose. So it's his message, his suffering, and his purpose. So Paul's message, what is his message? What is he trying to say? Why, what, what's the whole letters about? And why is he being so personal? Well, because he's being personal because he wants to convince them, because he wants, them, he wants to let them know a person, he wants, to, he wants to let them know about Jesus. So in today's passage, Paul says God's mystery has been revealed. And everything that you need to know about God and everything that you want to know about God, you can, you, you can know in the person of Jesus. And it's in that sense, Jesus, in the gospel, he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Because everything, everything that you need to know about God can be known in the person of Jesus. But especially in this section, another thing that Apostle Paul is saying that he wants them to know that through Jesus, now Gentiles are also being saved. What's Gentile? 
Who are Gentiles? That's a word that we don't really use these days. But Gentiles are basically our non-Jewish people, like Europeans, Asians, Africans. Basically, non-Jewish people are, are all Gentiles. So Paul is telling them that Jesus, he didn't only die for the Jewish people only, but, he died, but Jesus died and he rose for Gentiles too. But why is that significant? Why is that important for him to share that? Well, that's very significant and very important for people like us. us. Many of us are Koreans. Many of us are Chinese, Americans, Europeans. We, we are Gentiles. You know what that, that means? If you think about it, our ancestors, we used to pray to rocks and carve trees. Like sincere, They prayed sincerely. And for us Koreans, we had this practice. When the husband dies, they would bury the living wife or servants underground with him. The amount of shamanism that we practice, can you imagine? For thousands of years. And our shamans, they would jump up and down on the edge of the sword, covering themselves with animal blood. For what? For fortunes. For, for good fortunes. Oh, say less, if you're from Africa, voodoo, Vikings and Celtics with their myths, and of course the Aztecs with their human sacrifices. But they're not the only group of people that human sacrifices. They will capture thousands of slaves, and they will take their hearts, hearts out from their body alive from top of the pyramids and then throw their dead bodies down from the pyramids. That's what they used to do. Gentiles. People who used to be very far away from God. But what Paul is saying that is that Jesus, he died and rose not only for the Old Testament law-keeping people of God, but also for people like us, Gentiles. People with ancestors who were very far from God. And that's the mystery of God that God was willing to send his son and sacrifice his son and let him die for the sins of people like us. What of us Gentiles are so lovable or what of us are so desirable that he was willing to let his son to be suffocated on the cross to die for our sins? And Paul says that's the mystery. I wouldn't, but God did. And that's the mystery now revealed in Jesus. And that's the message Paul preached. That's, that's why he says Christ we preach. We proclaim Christ. That's it. But Paul's message only gets better. And this is what he says. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the mystery that Christ lives in you. He lives in you Gentiles. And in him, all hidden, uh, in him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus, he lives in us. And in him lie hidden all the treasures and wisdom and knowledge. And our youth group students, we know this. Uh, one of the problems that Apostle Paul addresses in this letter is that some Colossians, some Colossians Christians even, they were worshiping invisible angels, right? They're worshiping invisible angels. And when we hear this, we might think that that's outrageous. That's silly. Why would you worship something invisible like angels? But the thing is, we do the same, don't we? What invisible things do we worship? What invisible ideas do we treasure? Financial comfort, good grades, um, parents' recognition. We act and behave in a way we want them to recognize us. 
career stability, retirement schedule. As soon as I start working, I start caring about these. And it's hard. And, and the, best, uh, the best this, best that, and fame, looking pretty, looking cool. Like, we worship these invisible ideas. And don't we all suffer toil and struggle for these things? Things we treasure so dearly. Our mindsets and attitudes and energies are all oriented towards achieving these things. We worship these things. And please keep in mind, it's Colossians Christians who are worshiping angels. We are Christians. And our hearts are prone to worship other things, though we are Christians. But the Bible says, no, in Jesus, you have all the true treasures. Treasure that will really make us feel satisfied and secure. See, for us, we Christians, we don't work and toil for treasure, to obtain treasure, because we already have it. But we are forgetful people, aren't we? We forget that all the time. And that's why we need constant gospel reminder to remember that we have treasure so we don't have to toil, we don't have to suffer to obtain treasure. So that was Paul's message, that God finally revealed his salvation plan and the salvation plan is that Jesus also died for the Gentiles like us. But not only that, he also lives in our hearts and he's our treasure. He fulfills our void and he gives us meaning. That's Paul's message. And with that, let's go on to my second point, Paul's suffering. So, okay, now we know what Paul's trying to preach. But in this very personal section of the letter, he keeps on saying that he's struggling, he's suffering. Why is he telling these people that? Why is he telling us that? See, this is what he says. I, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, in my physical body, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church. For this I toil, I, str I struggle with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. And I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those I haven't met face to face. And on top of this, Paul is in jail. This man, he's in chain. And, he, and then we know what he went through during his mission journey. And let me just read you a portion from another letter that he wrote, 2 Corinthians. And he says this. I know I sound like a madman, but I have served God far more. I have worked harder. I've been put in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number. I've and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on, my, on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I have faced dangers from my own people, Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced dangers in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced dangers from men who claim to be Christians, believers, but are not. And I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty, and I have often gone without food. I have sh shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. And this is wild. Like, this is crazy. That was Paul's suffering. He suffered, he suffered so much. This is not something that we, will, that we will sign up for. If Colville was like this, none of us would have signed up for this. <laughs> Sorry, that, yeah. But he risked his life for this, for this mission, to preach the gospel. 
He's making sure that these Colossian Christians would know that this is how much he wants them to know Jesus. This is the extent that he was willing to go just, for, just so that others can know Jesus. He thought about it and he knew it. He knew it was worth it for him to risk his life. And, and if you think about it, he's not even doing this for himself. He is not suffering to add things to Jesus' achievement. He's not saying that. And of course, he didn't toil and struggle for himself to know Jesus better. He didn't do that. And of course, he didn't work to gain more. Because from the earthly perspective, he, he, didn't, he, didn't have any, he doesn't have anything. Where's his home? Where is his family? Where is his retirement plan? He had nothing. And what is the most valuable thing that we are willing to sacrifice for others, but we don't? It's our life, right? But Paul was willing to risk his life to preach the gospel. He was willing to bet his, bet his life on this because he was participating, he was joining, rather he was sharing in the fellowship of Jesus' suffering. He was joining in, in with Jesus with his mission. So, see, this is the idea that Jesus, he suffered on the cross so that we sinners can know God. And Paul's doing the same thing. He was willing to do the same. He was putting the principle of the cross into practice, into his life. He was willing to let go of his life so that others can know Jesus. He was practicing what Jesus did for him. And that is why Paul suffered, because he was following Jesus' footsteps. He was practicing the principle of the cross, dying for others and letting things go for others just so that others can know Jesus. And that's why he suffered. So with that, let's go on to my last point, Paul's purpose. Um, we know that why he preached is Jesus. And we know that why he suffered, because he wants us to know that that's how far he will go to convince us, to tell us. But for what purpose? What would that achieve? What, for what effect? Um, well, in this short passage, he gives a few reasons why he wants them and us to know Jesus and his sufferings. But for today, I just want to spend the rest of our time together focusing on just one of them. And then let me just read, read us a portion of the scripture where I want to spend my rest of, rest of the time with, us, with, with you guys. This is what he says. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those who I have not yet seen face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged and being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance. Why do their hearts need encouragement? All right, why do they need this comfort? Because Paul knows that Jesus, who he is preaching, will also change them. He was confident. See, see, Paul changed because he met Jesus. Before he met Jesus, he was known as a Christian killer. Killed many, many Christians. He persecuted the church. That's why when he met Jesus, Jesus says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Because he was attacking and killing Christians, the body of Christ. Jesus said, why are you persecuting me, Paul? See, he changed. His orientation changed. His worldview changed. His ideas changed. Jesus changed them. It's gospel that changed Jesus, uh, that changed Paul. And Paul was confident that the same gospel message will change these Colossians. 
as, as much as Paul suffered for others to know Jesus, he knows the gospel message will change them too, and they too will participate and put in the practice of the principle of the cross. That's why they need encouragement. That's why they need discomfort, because it's hard. We too need that encouragement. And it's in that spirit, in that idea, the word of God today is inviting us to participate in Jesus' suffering, in Paul's suffering. We are being invited to re-examine our hearts to see what or who is above Jesus in our hearts. Is Jesus seriously above everything? Not just as a lip service, but is he seriously above everything? Or are there things or someone that we consciously or subconsciously put above Jesus? Do we toil and struggle and suffer for others to know Jesus better, or do we toil and labor too much for ourselves? And do we toil and labor too much for what we call earthly treasures? And of course, I know when we hear the word suffering, many of us will think, I, I think that too. Be like, that's, that's too serious. The word suffering is, is a bit too serious, don't you think? Like my Christian experience, what we are going through as a Christian is nowhere near what Apostle Paul went through. That's a persecution you're talking. Mine's nothing. Ours is nothing. Well, that's fair and that's valid. Of course, there are persecutions. Of course, there are our persecutions that Paul and many other Christians are going through even to this day because of their faith. And the church should always be prepared to support them, help them with prayers and with practical helps. And we should always be ready physically and spiritually for such a persecution. But all Christians suffer and will suffer for, 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 for their faith, for our faith, in one way or another. If you, we are not being persecuted, then we are still suffering inwardly through the long and dreading battle against spiritual temptations like lust, like greed, pride, hatred, gossip. You, you name it, we all know what that's like. It's a struggle. It's, it's, it's a war that we're talking. We Christians, we fight wars within our hearts and minds to battle against sin. It's hard. And the constant doubt, times and times, how many times does God have to tell us that he's our heavenly father and we do not need to be anxious, but we still doubt that. We doubt our salvation, the validity of our faith, the finished work of Jesus. We doubt that all the time. And of course, the agonizing anxieties of Christian responsibilities for families, for work, for church. Many of us, we serve so much. We do so much for church. And it's hard. See, we all suffer for our faith. It's a constant labor and toil and battle to pick up the cross to follow after Jesus. But this type of suffering, the Christian suffering, is not, it's not dreading nor miserable nor depressing because Paul says he's rejoicing in his suffering. Why and how? How can he be? Well, he's rejoicing because he knows that Christian sufferings are signposts telling us that present evil age is passing away, is fading away. We're experiencing the tension between the sinless, restored new world that is to come 
but we're still living in a fallen and sin-tainted evil world that's about to fade. It's like two giant millstones grinding on each other, causing the friction. That's our suffering. We know in Jesus what it's like to not sin. We know in Jesus what it's like to love perfectly. We know in Jesus, we know what's going to be like. We, we have a, we tasted it. We, we have a glimpse of, we kind of know what that's like. But the thing is, the reality, the world that we're still living in is not like that. So the friction that we're experiencing, that's suffering. And that is why God is knitting all the broken, suffering Christians together in love. And Paul, wants, Paul, Paul wanted them to know, and he also wants us to know, that God is, building a, God is building a community of sufferers, a community where God's people are sharing the weaknesses that creates the space for God to work powerfully and be encouraged by witnessing and experiencing such a power so that we can reach the full riches of assurance that we have Jesus. And he lives in us. Amen? I mean, with that, for our youth groups, I, at the end of the sermon, I always like to give a summary. So let me just do that for them and for you guys. Hopefully this helps. So that was this week's message, that Jesus, who is seriously above everything, he died for our sins so that we can know God. And Paul was willing to give up even his life for others to know Jesus. So that means until next week, next Sunday, Let's think about what we are willing to give up for the sake of others to know Jesus. Not that we have to give up things for Jesus, but that God is inviting us to be more like Jesus. Um, what can I let go for my mom to know Jesus a little better? What can I let go for my friends to know Jesus? What can I let go for my significant others to know Jesus better? Could be our pride, could be our ideal ideas, could be our comfort, could be our money. I, I don't know what you're going through, but these are the things that I go through. Whatever that may be, let's practice letting them go because Jesus is seriously above everything. Let's pray. Father, we are very grateful that every Sunday, without failing, you invite us back to your presence to nourish us with your word, and to re-energize us with your spirit. We, we thank you for your mercy and your saving grace that saved not only the people of the Old Testament, but you continue to save. Even to this day, you saved us. We thank you for Christ, who is our hope, who is our treasure, and who is our Savior, and who was the perfect sacrifice to complete the work of salvation. And we thank you for giving us so many examples and heroes of faith, like Apostle Paul, who struggled and suffered for the sake of church, Jesus' own body. And we too now want to follow these examples to cherish the body of Christ and be willing to let go what we like to put above Jesus. So Father, we're forgetful people and we hold on to the things of the world so tightly. So we pray to you, won't you loosen our grips and remind us in the times of need that Jesus Christ, he is truly enough. And Father, would you powerfully work within our hearts through your spirit to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So won't you shatter our imaginations and surprise our puny expectations 
with your mighty power. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Let's all rise.